0: Thank you well it's nice to be with all of you and uh, i hope the uh, I, I promised i would not touch the microphone thing so that he would look after that but uh, we actually are from canada and we live in a little town called grimsby i know i think the person who founded the town must have had a great aunt or someone someone here and thought he would name it after grimsby so you're, grimsby here is on an ocean we're on a lake so I, that must be the parallel and, uh, and as Mark said, I- I'm actually a physician. And when I graduated, I actually became an anesthetist. And people said, Why would you become an anesthetist? Well, I wanted to put people to sleep. But, <laughs> but, the, but it was because I, I, re- I was a young Christian then, and, and I realized that was God's favorite medical specialty. You probably didn't know that. And it's because think of what was God's first medical act? He put Adam to sleep. Right, So obviously, that's more important than surgery. So I knew that was his favorite medical uh, aspect. And the other reason was it was the most like being in the ministry for, this, for the same reason. So I knew it was, it was the most godly of all medical specialties. So I started out in anesthesia. And actually, if you're here tomorrow night, I'll tell the story in more detail. But you know, I just moved from that into general practice. And then so, I saw so many people, especially Christians with mental health problems. God just moved me over into mental health. So anesthesia to mental health are like polar opposites, but I ended up there. And so I had a mental health clinic for about 25 years. And then after I retired from that, Kathy and I travel around teaching people how to change how they think. Because okay, your, your thoughts determine like everything. And so, uh, that, so our role is to help people know, how do I change how I think? So we'll, we, we'll do that tomorrow night. Well, we'll introduce the subject tomorrow night. We may not finish the topic tomorrow night that's a big topic so tonight though we're talking about the power of God's presence so it's a little different than my mental health themes and so I want to remind you of some very familiar Bible stories but I want you to think of the characters I mentioned and what did they all have in common in these little segments okay so Noah God told him to build an ark and his life was changed forever okay and Abraham God told him to start walking to an unknown land and his life was changed forever and Gideon, he was hiding in, from the enemies, and the, an angel told him to form this army, and his life was changed forever. Um, Samuel, God spoke to him when he was a child, his life was changed forever. And in the New Testament, in the upper room, remember, the Holy Spirit descended, and everyone in that place, which was shaken, their lives were changed forever. And then um, one uh, that we don't talk about quite as much is Ananias and Sapphira their lives were changed forever and greatly shortened, okay? And remember Peter said that when Peter was walking down the street, his shadow touched people, they were healed, and their lives were changed forever. Now, what do they all have in common other than their lives were changed forever, okay? What 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 was going on that caused their lives to change forever? They had an encounter with the presence of God. And when you have an encounter with the presence of God, your life will be changed forever you can't you can't be unchanged after that experience and so i want you to turn in your phones to exodus <laughs> I mean, who uses paper exodus 33 and 12. okay exodus 33 and 12 and we're going to look at the experience of one of the most famous pastors in the bible but he had a very difficult congregation okay they were very they were always complaining about something and it was a, it was the first mega church right there was about a million of them and they're always complaining and they were always on the move and you know it was it was a very difficult uh, experience that he was uh, involved in and so this is in Exodus 33 it's 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 how this pastor was handling a really tough experience and he was ready to throw in the towel like he was he had it with these people but he wanted to transfer to another church but like there weren't any other churches so he was kind of stuck there and so he, here he's crying out to god moses said to the lord in, in in verse 12 33 and 12 moses said to the lord you have been telling me lead these people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me you have said i know you by name and you and 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 I know you by name and you have found favor with me if you are pleased with me teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you remember that this nation is your people so Moses knew that he was over his over his head and he needed help and he wisely turned to God for help then God gave him the key God gave him the key to solve this entire massive problem and in verse 14 the Lord replied My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Not, I will give you a new strategy, I will give you rest. Then Moses replied, If your presence does not go with us, don't send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. So the answer to Moses' situation was the presence of God. And the presence of God would distinguish Israel from all other people, and it would, it would release the supernatural power into their life, and it would actually bring God glory. And so the presence of God is the key, the answer to every circumstance. It's the key to success in every aspect of your life. And so I want to help ex- explain to you why that's true. Now, I have to make a, I have to differentiate what kind of presence I'm talking about. I'm not talking about omnipresence. Okay, Om- I mean we all know God's everywhere all the time. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about because you can have a, you can you can just know that you know in your mind, and so yes, that's true. I'm talking about the, the, what we call the manifested presence of God the manifest presence of god and that the difference is you can just know god's everywhere all the time and it has no effect on you at all the manifest presence of god is when you actually feel something you actually know that you are in the presence of a supernatural power that loves you okay this is this is a this is a, a spiritual sensation a spiritual sense of knowing that you are in the presence of god okay so that's the manifested presence of god so that's i want to everything i talk about tonight is about the manifested presence of god okay so i want to explain to you the history of god's interaction with man when it comes to his presence okay so who obviously had the greatest experience of the presence of god i mean other than jesus was adam right because adam could actually see and hear god with his natural senses but because he sinned he forfeited that close relationship and then of course the world descended into chaos and throughout the old testament when god's presence would be experienced it would be intermittently on certain people for special occasions not everybody just you know the prophets had an experience with god and they would have they would have a a supernatural experience and then when the children of israel were migrating there was the pillar of fire and the cloud so that represented the continuous presence of god but it was always at a distance like it wasn't personal they just knew you know he's over there so in the old testament god, the presence of god was always at a distance or just on, intermittent on certain people that god chose but in the new testament everything changed with the presence of god in the new testament you see in acts chapter 2 jesus came Well, jesus came in because of the cross he removed the separation between god and man so that in acts chapter 2 the presence of god was released to all believers to all believers and why this is so incredibly significant is that rather in the old testament you know moses had the tent of meeting he could go and meet with god in this tent or the prophets would have this encounter but after the outpouring of the holy spirit in acts chapter 2 every believer can have an experience with the presence of God like Moses did and even what Jesus did we now because of the cross and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit we can have the same experience of God's presence that even Jesus had here in fact we have it better than Moses Moses had to go to the tent of meeting we don't have to go anywhere the presence of God is now infinitely available to us whenever we want to okay now there's an enormously fascinating difference between how god interacted in the old testament and with us i've already explained one particular one but see jesus came to remove the gulf that had been created by adam and so that so that now we can be restored to the relationship adam forfeited but we can't see and hear with our natural senses like adam did so why is that important it's because in the old testament god chose the people he was going to manifest his presence to. So it, was, so it was intermittent by his selection, his choice. In the New Testament, because the presence of God is now infinitely av- available to all of us, we choose, we are the ones who decide how much of God's presence we want to experience. He's made himself infinitely available to every one of us and we decide how much of God's presence we want. And so in the Old Testament, remember, he said, okay, I'm going to visit them. And then usually it scared them half to death if he showed up. But in the, in the New Testament, you can have as much of God's presence as you want. So that's my question to you tonight is, how much of God's presence would you like? How much would you like to see God's supernatural activity in your life? Because he's waiting for your response. And He is his presence is infinitely available to every one of us you decide how much you're going to permit. So this is actually very exciting, and for some, very intimidating. But the, it's, this is the, the difference in your life can be extraordinary. Now, why is it so significant to have an experience with the presence of God rather than just believing the truth? You see, you can you can know all about God, and you can say the sinner's prayer and come into the kingdom as a as a believer. But never have a personal experience with god's love or with his presence and that's what i call head knowledge christianity and i was like that for most of um, my early years i just i knew about god but i didn't have a like a an experience i just believed the truth and prayed appropriately and entered the kingdom that way but you see what is so significant about the manifested presence of god it's the difference between knowing about someone and actually being with them so let's just say you can know about a celebrity and you can be a facebook friend or you can follow them on instagram and you can say i know these people which means i know all about them but that, but have you ever actually met them have you ever actually been out for an evening with them no you just know all their stats or you know in a sports person you just know all their stats and you see too many christians and i was definitely one of them We know all about God we read his book we go to his services but that's very different from having a personal encounter and so the importance of manifest presence is that you now can go from head knowledge about God to personal experience of an experience of his love his presence his conversation it changes everything about your walk with God when you go from head knowledge to personal heart experience and so that's what I want to encourage you tonight is that is waiting for you to experience and to accept. Because after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this is a gift that Jesus has for each one of us, but we decide how much we want. And so I wanna challenge you and, and excite you that there's so much more waiting for you. Now, what difference can it make if you start to move into the manifest presence of God? Well, do you think it might release miracles? like what do you think would release greater miracles when you pray it's when you're in you bring the presence of the holy spirit into the situation you're praying about that's if you want to release miracles if you want to if you if you want to see people come into the kingdom and you're praying for their salvation the manifest presence of god activates and empowers your prayer it makes it so much easier to pray when you have that sense and awareness of his presence in you as you're praying it, it's, it revolutionizes your walk with God. And what do you think would be the greatest way to raise your level of faith and expectation? It's how well you know the person you're praying to. You see, as long as you th- think that you're just praying to someone you know, up there, then that's, makes it, 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 your level of expectation is much lower. But if you're praying to someone you know very well and that you have personal experience with, that raises your level of expectation when you pray. So understanding manifest presence releases faith, changes your expectation. And you know, it changes the way you worship. Like when I was, certainly before I understood presence, when I would come to church, we would sing songs. Or at least I would. And I remember back uh, way back, they called the worship time preliminaries, which meant it was just something you do while people are coming in waiting for the sermon and so and so that's what so worship was greatly devalued but when you understand manifest presence which you do here during worship i can tell is that you are in the presence of the king and you are personally interacting with him in your singing and as you worship because singing is just a reflection of what's going on in your heart so you're singing but in your heart you're talking to god you're picturing him you're drawing close to him and that's that's the that's the benefit that's the result of manifest presence in your worship it completely changes the way you worship now it, it what I'm saying is that manifest presence changes the dimension that your Christian walk goes from just walking to you're now you're actually experiencing a multi-dimensional walk with God you see we, we live in more than one dimension we walk in the natural realm through our five senses but we also simultaneously are in the spirit realm because we are spirit creatures. We are seated with Christ in heaven, it, it Paul wrote, and so you are simultaneously walking and living in the in the spirit realm and in the natural realm. And as long as you you restrict your Christianity to the natural realm, it's boring. But if you start to experience manifest presence, you can be, your feet can be in the natural realm, and your spirit can be in the spirit realm, and you are walking in the presence of God all the time. It changes how you do everything. So just keep in mind, you are always in two dimensions. It's just a matter of which dimension do you want to focus on. Remember, the Bible says the natural dimension is temporary. The spiritual dimension is eternal. And so you want to be able to to walk in that manifest presence. So worship changes. Now, if you want to see people healed, what do you think is the best way to release healing prayer to someone? Release the manifest presence of God to them. Because it's the presence of God that heals them. What do you think is the key to evangelism? Do you think people get saved because they are looking for a logical reason to believe in God? No. No. The reason people get saved, they don't come into church and just say, that makes sense. I mean, there must be someone, but, you know, that makes sense. I want to believe that. No. People become Christians because they feel something. They feel something. Or they they have this longing in their heart, and you just say, well, this has changed my life. It could help you. yes, I want that. It's because they feel something. People don't become Christians, for the most part, as a head knowledge experience, it's a spiritual response, and so how do you think how do you think evan- your, evangel- your evangelistic efforts will change if you start to evangelize within manifest presence? In other words, you carry manifest presence to someone else; their spirits are going to respond faster than if you just have a list of dos and don'ts. The manifest presence changes your prayer life, your worship life, evangelism. It affects every part of your walk with God, and that's what makes it so exciting. And so what's then the key to church growth? Well, when I was involved, and in, I'll tell you a little bit more about my church in a few minutes, but um, certainly as all my years in church, uh, church leadership, that church growth was a program that you purchased you know, it's a book, it's a binder of, you know, do all these things and, you know, it, it's just, you know the, here's what you do with kids, here's what you do with youth, here's what you do with, you know, getting buses to bring people to church. Like, you know, there's a checklist if you want to grow your church. So I, that's program. But what do you think grows the church better, program or presence? Now, what, why, what do you think was the key to growth of the New Testament church in the book of Acts? Was it program or was it Presence now remember the story of peter uh, when he walked down the street his shadow healed people was that presence or program and you think that grew the church people the shadow was healing people do you think they were more interested in coming out to that congregation Mm -hmm. now of course if that happened in our generation this if the the shadow healing people we of course would commercialize it immediately and we would sell um lights to to create shadows right (laughs) And so that you could actually go and and you, you didn't would, this would be on a christian magazine and they would just say get your healing shadow light or something and so you could just shine this so as you're walking on the street you could just have this light shining and see if you're healing anyone because you know we would you know we'd wreck it and so we'd, we'd make it a program right where it was presence so the key to the new testament church was the presence of god p- these the pagan world would encounter a Christian and they'll say, there's something different. I feel it. I want that. I want to be free of my, my chains. And, and then even at the, 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 they even were, had the price of martyrdom, it was the presence of God that changed them. That was the key to the growth of the New Testament church. It was presence, not program. Now, would you like to have a New Testament lifestyle? Would you like to be praying for people and seeing them healed and set free and their chains come off and the demons leave? Well, what's the key to that? It's being in God's presence and and then sharing God's presence, or having actually the presence of God radiate out through you. Remember I mean, when Peter was healing people with his shadow, he he was unaware of it. I mean, he didn't say, "Oh, I'm gonna, there, that's a crippled person. Let me get in the sun here." You know, like <laughs> he, like he didn't do any of that. He was just he was just going to a shop to buy bread, and people are getting healed and getting up off the pavement, and he was just like busy. You know, he. He probably found out about it later after, when he was coming back from the shop. All these people are dancing around, I guess. But, so, so it was just a natural outcome of someone living and walking in manifest presence. Would you like that kind of lifestyle? The people just get spontaneously healed because you pray for them. Or you just get a picture for them or you get a word of knowledge for them and, and you're praying for them and they just, I feel something. You know, and demons leave because they I have to be frank with you. Demons hate to be around people carrying manifest presence. I just want to give you a little clue. So if you really would like to get, you know, keep demons as far away from you as possible, just live in manifest presence. They hate that, okay? Another thing demons hate is worship, okay? Worship worship is demon repellent. They just hate that, okay? So if you want to keep them far away, walk in manifest presence. So this New Testament lifestyle is available to us. I mean, God hasn't changed, we changed. God hasn't changed. This is available to, for all of us all the time. And so the God wants us to have a New Testament lifestyle, but we have we decide how much of it we want. Now, in, Ro- in Revelation, there's a very, very famous uh, passage in Revelations 3, verse 20. I'm sure you're all familiar with it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in with them. Now, we use that evangelism in what context evangelism right it's a, it's it's, a, it's for salvation purposes and so it's that we encourage someone jesus is waiting to enter your heart why don't you become a christian but who was that verse written to christians. christians it was written to one of the churches in revelation so what does that mean then that means that jesus is actually knocking on the door of believers saying would you open the door to me well, that's kind of a paradox because you think I've already became a Christian didn't that open the door well yes but obviously there is more and so Jesus is actually knocking on our door saying would you let me in would you like more of my presence Well, that's fascinating like when I found out that Romans three twenty was to Christians I thought oh my goodness is my door open and so to realize that he's knocking on each one of our doors saying do you want more do you want more, or are you satisfied with things just the way they are? Fascinating. Would you like more of a New Testament lifestyle than you have now? So I'll tell you a little bit about my story and what happened at my church. I, uh, I've been going to the same church for 43 years, and so I've seen it through thick and thin. We've, I've seen it through program and presence, and I'll tell you there is a big difference. So the first, I don't know, fifteen years I went to that church, it was tiny. We're in a little town, there was like ninety people, struggle, struggle, struggle. Everything was a struggle. It was hard to get anyone to do anything, volunteer. The the results of we programmed ourselves to death because we read that in a book, right? That's how you grow a church is you you know, all these ticks. So we just we program, program, work really hard, and nothing ever changed. And then we decided, well the solution of course is to build a new building. Of course so we built a new building we couldn't afford so now we're going bankrupt and and we're not accomplishing anything and we're wearing out the same people doing all the program because we're doing what's in the book and it's not working and so by 1994 we're all burning out the pastors is falling apart and the, the, the there's a revival breaks out in Toronto in January of 94 well we're an hour out of Toronto but that's way too far okay like drive an hour to church in Toronto and you know it's just And then we we find out that hundreds and hundreds of people are coming from here, from Britain. I mean, they're putting on extra planes to bring Brits to this church in Toronto. So we think, well, probably we should check this out. I mean, it's only an hour drive for us. You guys have to spend days coming at great expense. So we thought, well, this must be something that you've discovered that we're ignoring. So anyways, our pastor went there for, for one prayer meeting. He comes home and the revival breaks out at our church. He just goes there once comes home and the power of the holy spirit just explodes in our church and now this is a dead 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 church remember okay Like we there is nothing supernatural has ever happened in that church that i've ever seen okay so we don't we don't we have no grid for the supernatural so he comes back from toronto and just starts to pray for people and boom like just Boom, 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 and people started having visions and experiencing the presence of God and 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 what caught my attention was their hearts were being healed And I'm thinking no that should take years of counseling, you know, they just they just get up the floor and said yeah I forgave my mother but, No, 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 it can't be that simple you, you know, No, Jesus, Jesus came and visited me. He'd walked me through a meadow. He told me everything that happened and uh, And I opened my eyes and I forgave my mother and I'm fine now <laughs> What? And and, and it, it completely changed the way we were doing services because we had to loosen up our order of service because God had a different plan So our services were very different because um, Just supernatural things started happening. There was one day. I was I was one of the ushers to take you know pass the plate for the offering and and during worship Everyone just went <clears throat> and in the in the church. There was no one sitting vertical to pass the plate to <laughs> like we like boom, just spontaneously, everyone during worship, and so we just took the plates back and gave up, so it was different, and evangelism changed, because remember, we, we had no evangelistic effectiveness whatsoever, and people now walked into the church and said, I'm feeling something, what is it, I want it, well, no, it can't be that simple, no, we have to take you back and walk you through the four spiritual lives, and just, they, I want it, what is it? And people would come into the church and just start crying. Or, and they'd cry all the way through worship, and it's their first time ever in the church. They say, why am I crying all the time? I'm feeling something. Well, it just it made a whole lot of things easier. And instead of having to beg for volunteers, people would just volunteer saying, your church needs this program, and I'll do it for you if you want. Wow. And then we thought, well, we, maybe we need intercessors. Well, how would you even find intercessors? Who, who is intercessory? And so we started, okay, God, who's an intercessor? Then we just saw people just start groaning and falling on the floor with an intercessor. And so God just started to show us um, people like that. Now, remember, I told you the church was going bankrupt. Well, when this explosion of the supernatural happened in our church, not everyone was happy with it. You know, some people just said, that's a little scary. I don't really want God doing anything supernatural because I just want the book. You know, I don't want anything else, just the book. And so when God does something supernatural, it's outside their grid. So a whole lot of people left, which put us into a major financial crisis. And so what happened was we were just decided we're gonna host the presence of God and see what happens. And so we just kept making room for the Holy Spirit and the people who started to visit out of curiosity gave more money than the people who left. So we never, we actually accelerated our mortgage payments and paid off the church really fast. And then the church grew so much, we had to build another uh, addition and so the church went from 90 to over 1000 now and we're just in this tiny little community because we just decided we we're going to host the presence of God and see what happens. And we found that when we hosted the presence of God all these other things that we had worked so hard to try to accomplish started to happen e- more easily and spontaneously. And and it like it's, it was extraordinary what changed in the church. But then but what about me personally? So I was I was in leadership and I just thought this is little wild and little hard to understand but it's good you know the fruit was good but for quite a while i i was consenting but not personally affected by it and then one time after a service when we were having our prayer time and just uh, people were being prayed for i was just there sort of in in a worshipful prayerful way, sitting there by myself and i in my mind i see jesus walking towards me well this has never happened to me ever and so Jesus walks right up to me, and it gets closer and closer and closer, and then our noses are touching. and I thought, "That's odd." I thought, you know, if if, the president, if, if Jesus wanted to talk to me, wouldn't he be a sort of a polite distance away? That's how we talk to people. You just stand back here and chat with me, but no, I think he was trying to make a point with his nose. so anyways, I couldn't sort of like get away from it. Like, Anyways, I'm nose to nose with the presence of, with, the, with Jesus. And I'm thinking, I've never had that experience before. This is a little peculiar. But a lot of things are peculiar back then. I'm nose to nose with Jesus. And he says two words to me that changed my life forever. Two words. He says, hello, Grant. I know, you may not think that's terribly profound. It's not even scriptural. <laughs> but you know why that was so profound? Up until that moment, I had never known that he knew my first name. I thought I was a, an entry in his database, you know, under M. I just thought I was, you know, I was in the book. If I got, when I got to the gate, they would look through, yeah, M, 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 I get there. And then, hello, Grant. And I, you know my first name? Yes, actually. And then he went on and talked about how he, I, he enjoyed hearing my prayers. He never gets tired of hearing me. I thought everyone else gets tired of hearing me. But, and so it just revolutionized my relationship with Jesus that it was that close. And then uh, one time i was praying shortly afterwards and you know how you pray you shoot prayers up into the sky and hope someone answers the phone right you know you just you send all these requests and hope someone makes a note of it and i did that one day and i really felt jesus say to me grant why do you do that why do you pray that way i said well it's not everyone prays you shoot them up into the clouds he says he says i'm right here he says it's a local call (laughs) he says don't do that anymore and so i realized that that's part of manifest presence He's with you all the time he wants to talk to you all the time he wants you to carry him everywhere you go to other people he wants to be involved in your marriage your home your parenting he'll go to work with you can you believe it he'll go to work with you so how do you increase manifest presence well you seek him you seek him you give him permission worship is a wonderful way to to increase the presence of god now you don't have to break into song because it's a little hard to do at work but you just, turn, you just turn your attention towards him. Realize that you're living in the supernatural realm as well as the natural realm and invite his presence to come. The key is hunger. So my question to you tonight is, would you like more? Would you like a New Testament supernatural lifestyle? Well, if you would, stand up and I want to pray with you. Come Holy Spirit, we want more we are not satisfied with the walk with god that we have as good as it may be father we know there is more and you are knocking at all of our doors tonight saying will you let me in do you want more and father we are hungry for more we want a new testament lifestyle father we want our prayers to matter we want our prayers to release your power we want healing miracles to happen just even at work at home in this church Father, we want to see the the fire of your presence in this church, in our home churches, in our work, in where we live. Father, we want our marriages to be transformed. Father, we are hungry now. And Father, we repent for just settling for the way it's always been. We repent, actually, even for being afraid of what you might do if we let you out of the box. Father, we just repent for not being hungry. We repent for just settling. Well, father now we are hungry we want more we are desperate for a supernatural new testament lifestyle father we want a, re- a new revelation of your relationship to us and how much you love us father you, there's nothing more special about me than everyone else in this room you know all of our first names you love to to be with us you love to hear our prayers you love to respond you love to come to work with us Father, I just invite you now to reveal yourself in such a powerful way that each one of us tonight would have a new encounter with your love, a new encounter with your closeness, a new encounter with your power. And Holy Spirit, we just invite your fire now to come and rest upon us like you did in the upper room. Father, they had such a corporate encounter with your presence. They were changed forever and changed the world. And Father, tonight we want that encounter with you once again because we are so hungry for more. We don't want a stale, dull, boring Christian life that's only head knowledge. We want an active uh, walking in the supernatural. So Holy Spirit, come and release your fire on us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.